The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. May the God of peace, may God himself sanctify you. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verses 23 and 24. Almighty God, I ask today that you would come, that you would bind up the broken hearts, that you would heal the wounded spirits. I ask, Lord, that today you would come and reveal yourself in glory, that you would call us to yourself, Jesus, And we will praise you and honor you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This week I gave to a a dear friend a book that I have read many times. It has probably had more influence on my life than any other single book save the Bible. And I find myself... Returning to it, I've shared on the air with you a number of times much of this material. But I feel impressed to share once more a perspective that God is burning into my heart. Some of you, I'm certain, catch things the first time and immediately put it into practice. That's not so with me. It takes me time to wait before the Lord, to pray, to meditate. And then it takes going back and going back and slowly growing into, organically growing into what God has for me. I confess to you today, my own shallowness of heart, my own foolishness. It seems that time after time in my life I have reached out, even believing at times it was God telling me to reach out, and it comes back and kicks me in the face. And I suddenly am confronted again by the reality that I only receive from God's hand what he chooses to give me. Now, one person I spoke with this week about this subject told me that he was in some disagreement with me over this that in his experience there was the will of God that he wanted to know, and then there was man taking his own course in rebellion and sin against God, and then he identified what he called as the permissive will of God, that is, where it really doesn't matter to God one way or the other. And he would say, for example, it really doesn't matter who I marry. It doesn't matter where I choose to live. It doesn't matter where I choose to go. Those are not issues that God is concerned with. That's the permissive will of God. As long as it is not against 
the scriptures, it is permissible to me. I completely disagree with that. I believe that Jesus was very clear that he said nothing and did nothing without the Father's direction and that I'm called to live like Jesus. And when the Lord turned my heart many years ago, he asked me that simple question, will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? And I said, yes, having no comprehension of what I was saying. But through the years I have had burned into my heart the necessity of not reaching out to provide for myself, not reaching out for relationships, not reaching out for anything save the will of God. Not the permissive will of God, but the actual will of God. And so this story of Reese Howells, he's a young man in his 20s at this point. The Welsh revival is now in full flow. Reese went to America to make money. He was a miner. He could work in the factories in America and make in one day the same amount he could make in one full week working in the coal mine. But it was there with a Jewish man from Pittsburgh who had an incredible testimony of persecution and suffering for the gospel who was alive in Jesus who opened Reese Hal's eyes to the deep life with Jesus Christ. He comes home, and he is preparing to go to the Landendraud Wells Convention. This is the Wales counterpart of the English Keswick Convention for the deepening of the inner spiritual life. He's had a new birth, and shortly before they're to leave for this convention, Reese was in a meeting, and a young woman began to read this scripture in Romans eight twenty six through 30. She could only read very slowly, which gave time for each word to sink into the heart predestined, justified, glorified. As Reese listened, he said to himself, I know I am predestined or called by God. I know that I am justified. My sins have been forgiven. I've been washed. But the question that puzzled him was, am I glorified? That question was constantly in his mind. What does it mean to be glorified? He struggled with that. He did not understand. Pardon me, and frankly... It's a question that that most in the American church do not stop to ask today. As he was meditating on this, a voice spoke to him. It said, when you return, you will be a new man. But he protested. He said, but I am a new man. No, came the answer, you're a child. Now, everybody else was singing the newest song for the revival, the glory song. But Reese 
was not listening. Instead, he was pacing the corridor. With the voice of God ringing in his ears, you will be a new man. And then on the first morning of the convention, the preacher, Evan Hopkins, spoke on Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 6. You hath he quickened, and hath raised us up, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He pointed out that it was the risen Savior who had appeared to the disciples after the resurrection. But when the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, the word ghost simply means, in the Old English it means guest, holy guest, came down, he revealed the exalted Savior at the right hand of the Father. Pastor Hopkins asked the question, Have you been quickened by Christ? Have you been raised up to sit with him in heavenly places? Well, in his heart, Reese answered, Yes, I know I've been quickened, but I've not been raised up with Christ to that place of power. The moment he said that, he saw the glorified Lord. He saw the glorified Lord as really as he had seen the crucified Christ and the risen Christ. He said, I saw the glorified Christ and and the same voice I'd heard in the train said to me, Would you like to sit there with him? There is a place for you. I saw myself raised up with him. I knew now what it meant to be glorified. I saw him as... John did in Patmos, and I was dazzled like the Apostle Paul. When he reveals a thing, it is exactly as it is. It's not imagination. And all that night I was in the presence of God and my glorified Savior. There is nothing in nature refined enough to describe it. I saw men as trees walking. The next morning, Pastor Hopkins again was preaching about the Holy Spirit. And he made it very plain to everyone that the Holy Spirit is a person with all the faculties of a person, like the Savior. He has intelligence, love, a will of his own, and he is a person. Before he comes to live in a man, he must be given full possession of his body. As he spoke, Reese said, The Holy Ghost appeared to me, and I knew him to be the one who had spoken to me the day before and shown me that place of splendor and glory into which natural eyes can never look. It never dawned on me before that the Holy Ghost was a person exactly like the Savior and that he must come and dwell in flesh and blood. In fact, the church knows much more about the Savior, who was only on the earth for 33 years, than about the Holy Ghost who's been here for 2,000 years. I had only thought of him as an influence coming on a meeting. That's what most of us in the revival thought. I'd never seen that he must live in bodies as the Savior lived in his own on earth. Now the meeting that Reese had with the Holy Spirit was just as real as the meeting with the Savior those years before. I saw him as a person apart from flesh and blood. As the Savior had a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. I am a person. I am God. I am come to ask you to give your body to me that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple. You might want to look at first. Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. But the Holy Spirit said to him, It must belong to me without reserve, for two persons with different wills can never live in the same body. Will you give me yours? And look at Romans 12, the first, the first couple verses. He continued, But if I come in, I come in as God, and you must go out. I shall not mix myself with yourself. 
Again, Colossians, the third chapter, verses 2 and 3. Now, I want to stop a moment. I want to highlight something. You may call yourself a Christian today, and you may have had your sins forgiven. And you may say, like Reese Howes did, I've been justified. I have, and by justified, he meant his sins forgiven. He did not mean made righteous, not yet. You may be like that, where you say, all of my past, present, future sins have been forgiven by Jesus at the cross. Now we know And I've shared with you that that's simply not true. That your past sins, when you come and repent and are born again, your past sins are forgiven. Now we come to a a very difficult understanding. The Holy Spirit said to Reese, As the Savior had a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. Now, what Reese is going to begin to experience is a cleansing and a purifying of his life. It is not enough to simply have your past sins forgiven. The church today The church today is so weak because it has claimed that its sin is forgiven, but the life has never been cleansed. Many of you have never been quickened with Christ regarding the fullness of giving up your whole life and your whole body to Jesus Christ. And that is what the Christian faith calls for. It calls that you give up ownership of your body. Not just your life, but your body. It becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to dwell in that temple if your heart is given to darkness. Now, I indicated earlier Somehow in my life, even as it says in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, God has come and severely disciplined me time after time as I have reached out for what I desired. Very painful discipline to be, have it thrown in your face to be kicked in the face by circumstances, by people. And what all of this has done in my spirit is caused me to look with honest eyes at how I live my life because it's not my life anymore. I made that covenant with the Lord that I would receive only what he gave me. I was washed and cleansed. I was forgiven of my sin. But then comes this very difficult decision. Will I allow myself an unconditional surrender to Jesus Christ? Reese wrote, he went out into a field and he cried his heart out. As he said, I had received a sentence of death as really as a prisoner in the jail. I had lived in my body for 26 years and could I easily give it up? Who could give his life up to another in an hour? Why does a man struggle when death comes 
if it is easy to die. I knew that the only place fit for the old nature was on the cross. Paul makes that very plain in Romans, the sixth chapter. But once this is done in reality, it is done forever. I could not quickly run into this. I intended to do it, but all the cost, I wept for days. I lost seven pounds in weight just because I saw what he was offering to me. How I wished I'd never seen it. And some of you may wish that I had never preached this to you. For you know in your heart that you still own yourself. And you choose to serve Jesus, and you choose to do this righteous act, and you choose to give here, but you still own you. You have never come to the cross, and you've never been crucified with Christ. Come on, be honest with me. Have you been crucified with Christ? Have you, have you wept in grief? over giving up your life. If you haven't, it's because you've never given up your life. If you're going to be glorified, if you're going to be raised up and seated beside Christ in heavenly places, you're going to have to give up your life. The Holy Spirit, he said, reminded me was that he'd only come to take what I already promised the Savior. Since Jesus died for me, I have to die for him. And the new life is not my life. The new life is his life. He'd only come to take what had been promised him. Ree says, I saw that only the Holy Spirit in me could live like the Savior. Everything he told me appealed to me. It was only a question of the loss in doing it. I didn't give my answer in a moment, and he didn't want me to. Have you given God your answer? Or are you simply an improvement of the flesh? <laughs> and I've had to go and weep before the Lord over this question, for I see in so many ways for so many years. I never really gave up my life. I was a Christ follower. I was forgiven for my sins. It's not an easy thing to give to give up your life. To be crucified with Christ. He said it took me 5 days to make the decision. Days that he spent alone with God. He said, I saw the holiness of God. And I saw my own corrupt nature. It wasn't sins that I saw, but nature touched by the fall. I was corrupt to the core. I knew I had to be cleansed. I saw there was as much difference between the Holy Spirit and myself as between light and darkness. Now, any of you willing to be honest about this question? Is it true? Have you been quickened with Christ? Have you been cleansed by the blood of Jesus to the very core of your being so that all pride is gone, all self-will is gone? All reaching out for what you desire is gone. This is without 
any doubt and has always been for me the most painful part of the walk with Jesus, not being free to reach out and take what will comfort my heart. This is particularly true in times when great agony of soul comes because of outward circumstances where I'm hard-pressed, hard-pressed financially, hard-pressed emotionally, hard-pressed. And always I have wanted to reach out and take that which would comfort my soul rather than wait on God. This is why at the beginning of the broadcast, I confess the shallowness of my life. The shallowness. I sometimes feel like I'm only an inch deep in the gospel. I know there is depth beyond depth. And it all has to do with whether I will hold on to my corrupt nature or surrender it to Jesus in fullness once and for all and be done with it. Have you done that? Have you given up the right to be depressed, to be discouraged? Have you given up the right to having your way? And when others kick you in the face, have you given up the right of retaliation? When you face rejection, do you strike back and bite? Which of us is not? in the natural man, angered by rejection and angered by criticism and judgments. The Holy Spirit wants to take you through a process. He wants to take you step by step through the process of cleansing, of sanctifying, of quickening. I wonder if any of you would like to call and share your your experience and what I'm talking about. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it bothersome to you? Is it painful to you? I'm going to go ahead and open the phones for you if you'd like to call and share your welcome to. 877-534-0780. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you haven't listened long to this broadcast, you won't know but I only on this broadcast and I only in my life, wherever I go, I only talk about Jesus. He's captured my heart. I want Jesus. And I've been slow and shallow and stupid. I've been rebellious. I've reached out time after time to grasp what I would want. I can't do that anymore. I want only what Jesus desires me to have. That's it. I want Jesus. Others may, I cannot. Others are welcome to speak about all of their excitement in worldly adventure. 
I can only speak about Jesus. If this broadcast is something that you need and you'd like to participate in making certain that we remain on the air, it's a miracle. God sent us to this radio broadcast and he always pays for what he orders and he does so by moving in the hearts of his people to give. I'm not offering you CDs and books and this and that to seduce you in selfishness to give. It's just, has the Holy Spirit opened your heart and said, give? If he has, would you please send your your tithe or your offering for this radio broadcast, Pilgrim's Progress, to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. As we wait for any calls that will come, again, that number is 877-534-0780. Let me also tell you where the National Prayer Chapel meets for worship. We rent space from a wonderful, wonderful congregation called the All Saints Anglican Church. Associated with them is the Emmanuel Anglican Church. Again, a wonderful group of Christian men and women who've been very kind to the National Prayer Chapel. And they've made it possible for us to rent space at the All Saints Anglican Church. They're located at 14851 Gideon Drive in Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. Again, that address, All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Now, as we consider this work of quickening, Reese Howell says, The Holy Spirit began dealing with me, exposing the root of my nature, which was self. You can only get out of a thing what is in its root. Sin was canceled, and it wasn't sin he was dealing with. It was self, that thing which came from the fall. He was not going to take a superficial surrender. He put his finger on each part of my self-life, and I had to decide in cold blood. He could never take a thing away until I gave my consent. Then the moment I gave it, some purging took place, and I could never touch that thing again. It was not saying I was purged and the thing still having a hold on me. No, it was a complete breaking. It was the Holy Spirit taking control. Good welcome. Alexandria, what would you like to share? Hello, Alexandria, what would you like to share? Hi, Ray. How are you doing? Good. Um, Good. I'm just just calling. um, I was actually just reading that passage this morning in Intercessor. (laughs) Yes. And it really did strike me that there's a totally different thing, the new birth from actually having the Holy Spirit come and live in our bodies. Yes. Uh, so that's, it is like a real struggle to like come to terms with that. I like the way you put it. It's a real struggle to come to terms with it. It's not a real struggle to have it removed, but to come to terms with letting the Holy Spirit remove it. That's the issue. 
Mm-hmm. So where are you in the process? Uh, I'm in the, the painful part. <laughs> you so. say it's the painful part, but then you laugh. What's happening? I just, you know how Reese Howell talks about how he needed Jesus to pull him through? Yes. That's like where I'm at. And part of you laughs because it's just so painful to deal with. Yes. I hear you. All right. Anything else you'd like to share? Yes, I will. Lord, I hear my sister Alexandria saying it's just really hard to deal with. Lord, I ask that you would pull her through. She is facing some very difficult decisions in her heart and in her life because it can no longer be her decisions or her life. It must become yours. So, Lord, I pray that you would Now give her the grace of the Holy Spirit, the divine influence, to bring her through. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name, your blessing for Alexandria today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye. Again, our phone number is 877-534-0780. Where are you in this this journey? Are you still holding back? Are you just listening to this broadcast day by day? But your spirit, you're holding back. You're withholding. Is that what you're doing? What are you doing with Jesus? Do you see an increasing measure of your desire to be in the prayer closet, your desire to read the scriptures, your desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you see an increasing of the fire of God in your heart that separates you from the television, that separates you from wickedness? Do you see progress in your walk with Jesus Christ? Or do you simply desire to listen to a preacher who will talk about it, but you are not willing to take the actions necessary to walk out what we're talking about? Where are you in this journey? That's why I opened the phone lines And I'm grateful that Alexandria called and talked about how difficult it is for her. And she, like most of us, will try to avoid it. And one of the ways we do is we laugh to let the tension drain away. Some would say we either laugh or we cry. This is not easy. What makes it so hard is that we've lived in our lives For so many years, and now the thought of giving up our life, that's terrifying. Will you give up your life to Jesus Christ? And if you say, oh, pastor, I've already done that, but you have never wept over your life. If you've never wept over what you have lost, you are still in charge of your life. You've never faced the reality of your death. So what are you going to do? Are you willing to let the divine nature come in and replace your life? Are you willing to make a covenant with God that you will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give to you. Or do you want to grab a hold of your religious life and also maintain 
all the other places you have gone to be nurtured. Is Jesus enough? And my nature always said, no, Jesus is not enough because I don't know if I can trust him. What would happen to me if I really said I'm all for Jesus and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to do what he tells me I'm to do and I'm going to follow and do exactly that. And I'm not going to reach out and try to take for myself. Isn't that what Eve did at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? She saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was good for gaining wisdom. And so she reached out her hand and she took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree still stands in your life today. And it's very attractive. It's very appealing. And most of us have fed on it all of our lives. Now we know that there's another tree in the garden. Spoken of in the book of Revelation, it's the tree of life. And we've discovered that Jesus Christ himself is the tree of life. So again, our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. Now someone this last week said to me, Pastor, you're so intense, you scare people. I said, what? I don't feel like I'm intense. I feel like I'm so dull, so pulled back. They said, oh, no, you're offensive. You're offensive to people. Please, if I'm offending you, forgive me. It's not my intention to be offensive to your heart. but I do want to be offensive to sin. I don't want to walk in it. I don't want to approve it. I don't want to be like it. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be filled by the Holy Spirit and the fullness of Pentecost power. I don't, that's not where I'm at yet. There's still a cleansing and a breaking process going on in my heart and in my life. I still make grievous mistakes. I still sometimes reach out to take believing that Jesus told me to reach out and take only to be rebuked. I'm learning slowly. There's no room for any self-righteousness in this journey. There's only room for us to surrender fully to Jesus and to have step-by-step replace the self-nature with his own divine nature. For Reese Howells, the first thing the Lord had to deal with was his love of money. He went to Pennsylvania, to America, for money. And money is the root of evil. The Lord told him that he would take out of his nature all taste for money and any ambition for the ownership of money. And Reese said, I had to consider what that would mean. The Holy Spirit said money would be of no more value than it was to John the Baptist or to the Savior Now, to an extent, this was dealt with in his new birth. But now the Holy Spirit was getting at the very root of the matter. He said this dealing lasted an entire day. But he said by evening, his attitude toward money had entirely changed. He suddenly saw that 
that money was simply a tool that God would use for the work of his kingdom to meet the needs of other Christians. That money was not something to hunger after. That money was simply a tool to be used by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he finally gave his love of money to Jesus. The Holy Spirit went on dealing with him. He saw that he would never have the right to choose his own spouse. He saw that he could never entirely give his life to another person to live to that one alone because his life was given to Jesus Christ and to live only to him. The Holy Spirit took plenty of time to show him exactly what it would mean the life he would live would be for the world. Was he willing for that? Now, you know that with that, there must also have ambition dealt with. How could he have any personal ambition if the Holy Spirit came into his life? The way the Lord showed it to him was like this. Supposing he had a mission in a town and another mission opened in the same place. If there was jealousy between the two and it was better for the town only to have one, then it would be his which would have to leave or go. Or suppose that he and another man should apply for the same job. He would have to let the other have it. Or if he was earning 12 shillings a day and another man with a family was earning much less. The Spirit could tell him to give his job to that man. He saw that the Holy Spirit, in ways like that, taking the place of the other, suffering instead of him, yes, he was to be willing to do that. It was on the fifth day that that the Holy Spirit came to the topic of his reputation. as he was thinking about the men of the Bible who were full of the Holy Spirit, his thoughts turned to John the Baptist. And the Holy Spirit said to him, Then I may live through you the kind of life I live through him, a Nazarite clothed in camel's hair living in a desert. Even in this or what might be its modern equivalent, a decision had to be made. If I live my life in you, and that is the kind of life I choose, you cannot stop me, was the Lord's word on it. As the Savior was despised, he must also be willing to be despised. By Friday night, Reese had faced each point. He knew exactly what was being offered. The choice between temporal and eternal gain. The Spirit summed the issue up to him. On no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self. And the life I will live in you will be 100% for others. You will never be able to save yourself any more than the Savior could when he was on earth. Now are you willing And Reese was to give his final answer. I'm going to deal with this topic Sunday at the National Prayer Chapel. We only have a couple of minutes left. There's not time to finish this. But I pray as you have listened today, you have begun to see the reality that God is calling us to give our lives to him at a much, much deeper level than most of us have ever, ever even considered. We are in the American church extremely, 
pragmatic and shallow. We want what works. We want our ambition to be fed. We want the relationships we desire to be fulfilled. We want our self-life. And the Christian call is to leave your self-life and give it to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come and dwell in you. That means your opinions no longer matter and you can't argue with people about being right and you can't accuse them of being wrong. You can only speak the words of the Holy Spirit as given through Jesus. Are you willing for this? Lord Jesus, as we come to the conclusion of this broadcast, I plead for revival in your church. The great wickedness I see consuming America and bringing your judgments can never be turned aside by politicians. It must come out of the heart of your people as they repent, as I repent. Holy Spirit, come and take full control. Speak with each one of us the words that need to be spoken to our hearts. Claim us as your own. And Holy Spirit, finish this work in each one of us. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Confront us plainly and simply with the selfishness and the self-will of our own hearts. And we will trust you to do this, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. This Sunday, I'm going to deal in depth with today's topic, giving up your self-life and receiving the life of Jesus Christ. If there's a call in your heart for that that place on the throne of God with Jesus to be quickened and lifted up, then come. The address is All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side of the All Saints Anglican Church, And there you'll find a large white sign that says lower lobby. Come in that lower lobby door. And the ground level. Come in and immediately on the left-hand side, you'll find the National Prayer Chapel gathered at 12 noon. 12 o'clock noon. I'll look for you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Joy.